What does Jesus think about people who are spiritual but not religious? People who pray but they don't have a personal pastor. They have like a personal relationship with God but they don't have an official membership with a church. I bet you know a lot of people like that. Maybe your son or your daughter was raised in the church but now they're off at college and they they don't really have a connection. Maybe someone in your family or your best friend, you know, they, they were raised with a little Jesus and they still say they believe in Jesus, but just unofficially and in their own personal way. Or maybe you're a person like that. <clears throat> maybe you grew up with more structure, more community, but, but something happened back in the day and you just don't have that same connection and maybe you don't feel like you need it. If that's you or if that's someone you care about, I, I totally get that. I mean, churches are filled with people and people are far from perfect, so many imperfect things happen to people in churches. I've heard so many stories of, of people's parents who, who were quickly judged, who weren't shown much compassion or grace or forgiveness and they walked away and their kids followed. I've heard so many people who have a, a strong prayer life, yet they admit that church just isn't a priority and frankly, they don't think that that's a problem. And I've heard even more stories of people who've been wounded by the church, who've been hurt by people like me, with a lack of compassion, a lack of empathy, a lack of patience, that things blew up and it made it really, really hard to return. Now, you might know that one of the growing, biggest growing demographics of spirituality in our country are people who are just that. They're spiritual, but they're not religious. They self-identify as the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, because a spiritual affiliation, a religious church, they, they have none. So the question I want us to wrestle with today is this. What does Jesus think? What does Jesus think about people who are spiritual but not religious, who have a personal connection but not an official membership? Because the, the truth is, Jesus knows. I mean, he knows all that garbage that happened to your parents. He knows all the stuff that's happened to you. He knows all the circumstances. And even more, Jesus hates that stuff more than you do. I mean, if you're disgusted with hypocrisy and greed of people who lead churches but they don't have good Christian character, I, I guarantee you Jesus hates it a thousand times more so the Jesus who knows all that, what does he think? I want to I focus our attention today on just one verse from the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. <laughs> Apparently way back in the first century, just after Jesus returned to heaven, people got in the habit of being spiritual but not religious. And that passage says, Let, let's not get into that habit. Let's encourage each other. Let's spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And this week, I want to talk about the whys behind that clear what. Like, why would God insist on that? Why would God want us to have some kind of organization, some kind of community, some kind of authority over us instead of just a personal relationship with him? I know it's a big question that affects so many of us, our, our friends and our families. So let's open God's word this week. And let's find out why God wants us to be rightly religious and not just spiritual. Would you pray with me? Uh, dear God, I pray for everyone who has been wounded by the church. Uh, I pray even thinking of my own sins. I always, haven't always pastored people well and, and I cringe to think that they might not have a strong connection with you because of me. And so I pray for forgiveness for those who have hurt us. I pray for forgiveness for myself. I pray, God, that you would reconnect us to a group of people who can encourage us when we feel discouraged, who can spur us on when we've gotten complacent, and more than anything, who can lead us back to you, your grace, and your Son. We pray these things, God, in your beautiful name. Amen. Give me one reason I should come to church. 
That's what my soccer teammate dared me to answer the other day. <laughs> I was casually trying to invite him to come to our church and, and he stared back at me and said, give me one good reason. And I tried all, all the usual options. Well, we have a lot of Jesus and the Bible and, and prayer and, and music and community. And he looked right back at me and said, I already have all that. Now, I thought about his answer as I thought about this topic, being spiritual but not religious. And I realized that, that in our hyper-connected social media digital world, that it's probably really tempting to think that we can do everything in worshiping God without being connected to a religious community. I mean, think about that. I might be an average preacher, but you could podcast up a thousand preachers who are way better than me or your local pastor. We might practice for, for music for Sunday, but, but you can stream the most amazing musicians playing your favorite Christian songs and worship Jesus in your car or in the privacy of your own home. We could pass an offering plate to give generously to help the poor and to spread the gospel, but you could go online and make an automatic donation from your bank account. And we could talk about community and Bible studies and meeting people, but you're connected to hundreds, thousands of people online. So it's actually a good question. Give me one good reason. Why would I be part of this official community instead of just doing my own thing in my way at my own time? Well, the Bible has, has an answer to that question. Probably a lot of answers, but, but there's one that's maybe tough to swallow. But to me, it's essential why I want you and I want everyone to be part of a church community. It comes from the prophet Jeremiah chapter 17, where he said in verse 9, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Do you actually believe that? The heart, Jeremiah is saying, like what's inside of you, the place where you make decisions and feel your feelings, it's deceitful. That means it doesn't tell you the truth and you don't know it. It's not just a lie that you see. It's deceit. You, you don't see it coming. He says the heart is deceitful above all things. Like more than shifty used car salesmen, more than compulsive liars, your heart, my heart deceives us all the time. And if you and I believe that, we would run to a spiritual community. We would never ever think that we could just be personally connected to God and not need people outside of us to correct us, to confront us to encourage us, to spur us on, to remind us of Jesus' love when we feel so lost. I wish I would have said that to my teammate. I think I need to find him and say it to him again. Why would you come to church? Why would you need a pastor? Why would you need people to keep you accountable? Because of your heart. Your heart will minimize sin and make too little of it. Your heart will maximize your guilt and forget about Jesus' love and his forgiveness. Your heart will deceive you. It is beyond cure. You need us and we need you. Why, why be religious and not just spiritual? Because of your heart and most importantly, because of the heart of God. Let's pray. Uh, God, I know those are hard words to hear. Uh, we're taught in our culture this exalted view of self-esteem that what's inside of us is, is beautiful and it's true and, and you just don't agree. God, you see every human heart and, and you desire to change our hearts and, and make them true. But we need help. We need people outside of us. The truth is not within us. It's in your word. And so we pray that you would sanctify us by the truth and your word that we hear as we gather with other people in Jesus' name. That word is truth. We pray it all in the name of Christ. Amen. Does your church tell you the truth? This week we've been wrestling with being not just spiritual but having some kind of organized religion around Jesus. But that begs the question, is that religion right? Does that church tell you the truth? 
When I ask those questions, I think about John Vasconcelos, an American politician who lived and worked in California for many years. Unfortunately, John was raised in a church that did not tell him the truth. All it said to him was that he was a sinner who was rotten and corrupt and deserving of hell and he probably would never get better. And, and stifled by that, John had zero self-esteem, zero hope, zero joy, until he ran into a person who told him something different. This person wasn't from a church. This person said, people aren't sinners. You're not a sinner. People are amazing. And if you know the rest of the story, John Vasconcelos went on to be one of the founding leading people to bring the self-esteem movement into our country. The country followed John's beliefs and his practices and they were all shaped out of this corrupt view of church that all churches tell you is that you're wrong, you're sinful, you're corrupt, and you're rotten. But that's not a good church. That's not at all what Jesus taught. Did he say that people are sinners, that our hearts are deceitful, that we need to be saved by his blood on a cross? Absolutely. But, but he said so, so much more than that. And so as you're thinking about finding a church, and maybe for some of you reconnecting to a church for the first time in a long time, I want you to look for, for two things, the two truths your church needs to tell you. They need to av avoid the lie that you're too good and they need to avoid the lie that you're too bad. You're, you're too good to need help. You're too good to repent. You're too good to be in spiritual danger. You're too good to confess that. You and God can probably figure that and fix that out on your own with just a prayer or two. No, you need a church that tells you sin is serious. Your heart is troubled. You need a community to help you. But unlike John, you also need a church that avoids the lie that says you're, you're too bad. You're too bad to be loved. You're too bad for God to be with you. You're too bad to be forgiven or saved. You're too bad to confess that in a place like this. People would be disgusted. I want you to find a church that gets right in the middle, right in that sweet spot where Jesus wants you. I think about some of Jesus' opening words in the Gospel of Mark. It says in Mark chapter 1, Jesus went proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. You hear those two things? R repent. Like your, your sins are serious. You're not too good to repent. But believe the good news. You're not too good or too bad, rather, to have something really good in your heart, to know that Jesus is your Savior, that he's the one who rescues and redeems you from all of your sins. So this week, I pray you live in that sweet spot. And as many of you search out for that church community for the first time, I pray that you would find it, a church that calls you to repentance, but then leaves you with the great news of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Um, Jesus, thank you for telling us hard things. Uh, it's never comfortable in the moment to be called to repentance, but but you say sin is like a cancer that you just want to get out of our hearts. I thank you even more, Jesus, for the good news that when we repent, when we come to you with open hands, that you forgive and you cleanse and you save. You don't just give us a second chance. Instead, you say it's finished and you promise that God will be with us forever and delight in us as his children. Help us to believe both things. And I pray for every church, God, that we would specialize in those two things, that people would not be pushed away from toxic religion but find something beautiful to pursue week after week and year after year. We pray Jesus in your name. Amen. It didn't take long to figure out why this guy was spiritual but not very religious. I was having pizza with my dad and this older couple that we had just met the other day. And my dad and I were kind of giving each other some grief and I was making fun of him and he turned to the couple and said, Hey, a son is supposed to respect and honor his father. That's in the Bible, right? <laughs> and before they could answer, I said, yeah, but you know, my dad goes to my church, so I'm his pastor and he's supposed to honor me, right? <laughs> and we both laughed, but the, the couple didn't laugh. The guy kind of scowled back at me and he said, you don't have to honor your pastor. 
That's not in the Bible. And gently, I kind of suggested, well, I'm pretty sure it is. And he snapped back, well, I suppose you want me to give money to your church too. Wow. <laughs> I don't know the story, but I would bet you $1,000 that there is one. It sounds like this guy had a really, really bad experience with someone like me and maybe with a, with a church like mine. And I, I know so many people are in that situation. They've had a bad run-in with a leader of a church. Someone who is overbearing, someone who is too judgmental, someone who is quick to speak and so slow to listen, someone who plunged into adultery or immorality, someone who is greedy and stole from the church, someone who really didn't care about the poor or really didn't care about people at all, someone who is in it for himself. And maybe that's your story. Maybe you consider yourself a, a spiritual person and, and you pray and you talk to God, but you just don't have a connection because of something that happened. And if that's true for you, I, I want you to know that, that, that Jesus gets it. Jesus has some really specific descriptions of what a pastor should be like. You know, pastors are people and, and they're not perfect, but he has a very high standard because he knows how much a compassionate, loving, patient pastor can draw people to the word of God or how quickly he can push them away. So let's think about pastors. Let's, let's pray for them today as we read that description in 1 Timothy chapter 3. It says, Now the overseer, another word for a pastor, is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome but a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him and he must do so in a manner worthy of of full respect. Verse 7 then says, He must also have a good reputation with outsiders, with, with non-Christians, so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. And part of me is terrified by those words. That's a really high standard, but that's a great thing for us to, to pray about today. Some of you have, have been away from the church. You haven't had a really great spiritual community to encourage you and keep you accountable for a long time. Let's ask God to help us forgive the pastors of our past and, and reconnect in a really intentional way. And even more, let's pray that God would raise up really good people to, to pastor churches to draw people to the grace of God and especially our Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's pray. Um, dear God, I think about the power of pastors. I think about how many people love gathering uh, every Sunday with a community because their pastor has loved them well. And I think about all the people who have walked away because they haven't been loved well. I pray, God, for a spirit of forgiveness for all those who have been wounded, those who have been hurt, and, and God, you know uh, so many who have been abused. I pray that you could re remind them that that was a person, that was not a church, and, and that definitely wasn't you. I pray that you would draw them back to your word and your people, that they would find hope and encouragement and a great community to pursue you together with. And Father, I pray for pastors today. Um, I know the, the temptation. You, you say in, in the Bible that if the shepherd is struck, then the sheep will scatter. And if I'm struck and I give in to temptation, only you know the, the damage and the fallout that will happen. So protect me and protect all of us who lead churches. Help us to be respectable. Help us to be loving people. Help us to be gentle. Help the doors of our homes to be open. That we'd be hospitable. Help us to not be proud but humble as we serve just like Jesus did. God, without you, churches are going to be so dysfunctional. It's going to push people away from you. So please, God, fix what needs to be fixed, that people would be drawn to the cross of Jesus. We pray this in his beautiful name. Amen. Did you know that in the Bible there is a time when God's people tried to be spiritual but not religious? It's called the book of Judges. And it was kind of like a 300-year experiment where people believed in God and they still prayed to God, but there was no king 
no authority, no structure, no real organized religion. And you want to guess what happened? It wasn't very good. The, the people drifted, not just a little bit, but way, way far from God. And, and they didn't even know it. If you read the, the tragic, like chilling, sinful final chapters of the book of Judges, you will find people who are surprised. Why is God letting this happen to us? They thought that they were doing everything right and yet everything was obviously so wrong. It's kind of like when you're swimming out in the ocean, if you're on vacation at a hotel, you don't have to, to try to swim away from your original spot. The, the waters and the currents will just take you to a place that you never intended to go. And I tell that to you because this week we've been wrestling with being spiritual but not religious. And I know some of you have been disconnected for a long time. And I want to tell you this, if you do that, you're not going to intentionally rebel against God. You're not going to one day say, you know what, God, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Just slowly the world will shape you and mold you and make you drift from the beautiful spot where God wants you to be. And maybe some of you know that's already happened. Maybe you came across these videos and it's, it's really been a long time for you since you were connected to any kind of community, any kind of organized religion, and, and you kind of sense that your life isn't where God wants it to be. And maybe you wonder if that's you, is it even possible to come back? With all that baggage, with all that history, with all that sin, could you come back to God? Could you come back to a community that worships God? I know the answer to that question because I've read the end of the book of Judges. The other day I was preaching on the book of Judges and it ends so horribly and I was trying to figure out the good news and then I realized that the good news looked like this. That there's another page. That despite all these spiritual but not religious people who had drifted so far from God, God was not done with them. I love how the book of Lamentations says it, that God's mercy is new every morning. Every single morning. Like this morning and tomorrow morning, there will be the mercy of God. And so no matter how far you've drifted, no matter how long it's been, I want to tell you that God's mercy is for you. And that he wants you to be connected to a community, to a great Christian church that rallies around Jesus, led by a qualified pastoral team who's going to remind you of God's mercy. They will call you to repentance, they will address your sin, and they will keep you right in that beautiful spot that you know despite everything that's happened, you are loved and adored by God. So let's pray. Uh, dear God, it feels like the, the days of the judges, uh, when we all think that we can follow you independently uh, without a great community of faith. And so I thank you for challenging us this week. I pray that, that we could use these messages and, and share them with the people that we love. So instead of drifting, we would be drawn closer to you. I pray for good churches. I pray for courage. And I pray that we would trust you. That when you say that we should not give up the habit, get into the habit of not meeting together, that you meant it. And you meant it for our good. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. Thank you for seeking us when we were wandering sheep. Thank you for bringing us back into the flock. We pray this all in your beautiful name. Amen. Hey everyone, Pastor Mike here with Time of Grace. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast and we'd love for this podcast to be a blessing to you in the days to come. So if you could share this podcast, subscribe so that every episode ends up in your feed or just leave us a review, we would love more and more people to hear this message so that their lives can be surrounded and blessed by the grace of God. Thanks again and have a wonderful day.